0: That was a sermon. That was it. <laughs> you can go home now. <laughs> so um, this is my second time here to speak. Uh, first time, I guess it was about four months ago. Uh, it was a while back. Um, so Quinn and I had been talking, and uh, he was telling me about these meetings. I think they had just started. Um, I had just got back from Israel uh, about three weeks ago. And, uh, Quinn and I got lunch and, um, he was just talking about really just this fellowship, trying to understand who they are, their you, you know, your identity as a fellowship. What, what are we doing here gathering together in the name of Jesus? And, um, and so I would really just been thinking on that for the last few weeks because our small group has been doing the very same thing. Um, and believe it or not, our small group is about half the size. So <laughs> it's not that small. And, uh, we had really been kind of doing a lot of soul searching as well as why are we coming together? What do we do when we when we are together and are we being intentional and intimate um, getting into each other's lives and and sharing each other's burdens and um, being there and so really this this talk kind of was born out of that um, so that's that's kind of the this is me preaching to myself right <laughs> these are the things that like you know we our group meets on a Friday nights. Our group name is called Rejects. Um, and so, and it's probably something I should tell you at the end of the sermon, right? But, um, but really, you know, when we were, we had been together for five years and, um, you know, got some support there from Brother Blair and uh, they had born a group, uh, birthed a group out of ours uh, last September. And uh, so, how many you got now? Like, About four families? All the little, yeah. Got to factor in the little ones. That's for sure. And so that's why there's an upstairs here, right? (laughs) And so, um, you know, and just in regards to our fellowship, you know, because every time you send somebody out, you're going to miss them, right? Um, As wonderful and beautiful as that is, just, you know, following through with the Great Commission— um, you struggle with that because, man, I'm not going to see them each week in this time of fellowship. Even though we serve together, we'll get lunch together or whatever else, it's not like this special time. And uh, so we've just really been talking over a lot of that. And um, would you mind hitting the next slide? And uh, so really, I'm kind of a nerd, and, and I really enjoy Wow, that just got loud. And um, just looking at the looking at these themes of fellowship uh, in the context of first century, um, I love reading through the scriptures. And when you look at the New Testament, a lot of people don't look at it from such a, a practical um, application. Is that this New Testament was written for the believers themselves? I know it, duh, right? But when you look at it. Matthew wrote his gospel for his disciples, right? This, this New Testament, the front part or the back part of your Bible, didn't just fall out of heaven and into your laps and be like, hey, awesome, we got the second part to this story. And because this was something that had developed over about 60 years. And it developed practically in the context, in the vacuum of a persecuted church of disciples of jesus himself making disciples themselves and knowing that their time was about to expire here on the earth writing a record of these things so that others can believe so that they know accurately what's going on what did they witness firsthand and so really that's what we have in the gospels in the Gospels, we have these firsthand accounts, or even secondhand, when Luke is talking to the other apostles. We have Mark recording Peter's account. And it's really neat to, to just think of it in that regard that as you reading it, being a disciple of Jesus Christ, you're reading it in the same way that Matthew's disciples are reading it. It's extremely I mean it's fresh. I mean, those the, the ink is not dry, right? that these accounts, as raw as it is, even writing from their own perspective that God ordained in, in, in all the verbiage there, it's amazing to think about that and what they're communicating and how they organized each of those gospel accounts. And so this is all seen in the context of fellowship, right? Because when you got disciples, they're not all out there by themselves. They're still coming together and meeting. Why? For survival for encouragement so they don't get discouraged and so that they're not easily picked off, whether it be by Jews, whether it be by Romans, whether it be by people like Saul of Tarsus, right? And so that's the Gospels. Then we have this church history. It's book of Acts. Sorry, this is so fuzzy. Uh, we have church history. And so Luke, who not only wrote... A gospel account he goes through and writes basically the foundation the origination of the church the assembly itself and then we have the epistles we have Pauline epistles so Paul wrote a bunch of letters so this is really what we're going to look at today is all of this a lot of the verses that I've used to um, kind of point out different characteristics of fellowship um, are going to be coming from just all over the New Testament to illustrate that that's why this New Testament was written. It was for the encouragement of the fellowship. It was to make sure that they were believing sound doctrine, that they weren't falling for all these other rumors and stories. There was all kinds of heresies, all kinds of lies floating around during the first century, second century. Oh, yeah, it's still going on today. Right? 2,000 years later, not much has changed. A lot of the same lies are getting peddled all throughout. And so when we look at the New Testament, this was the answer. And even when you go into the church councils, why did they select these? It's for that very same reason. A lot of times, and the reason we have a New Testament is in response to the heresies that were going around. So not to get too deep there, but I just want to maintain this practical approach. And when you read the New Testament, just to have that perspective of, wow, I really should be reading this with so many other people, and when you're reading the letters to the different churches, the epistles, really epistles, just letters, letters to different churches, and you have a few letters to individuals that you might as well be re- I mean just stand up here and read the letter of First Corinthians, and imagine all those issues happening. In this very same fellowship. And it was probably about this size. Because what you have is house churches in a city coming together corporately. And whether they came together all at once or that they were just meeting from house to house. And so when you talk about the first century, no, they didn't have big, huge buildings like this, like CCC, like anywhere else. It was house to house. So as many people as you could cram into a house. To hear the word of God, that's what they did. So uh, if anybody's ever read up anything on the uh, persecuted church in China, um, you know, man, they'll pack 50 into a room probably the size of that closet back there just to hear the word of God, just to sing a few songs together in a very hushed tone just for the encouragement of other believers. So uh, back to the epistles, uh, when we're looking at these, Paul James, John, they're all writing to believers to encourage them so that they'll know what they believe and just really just keep following Jesus. So does anybody have any questions so far? Please? (laughs) I love questions, and I really want to speak to where you're at and what you're thinking, so. I'm going to take a drink of coffee. You have time to think. Those are the titles for, or the uh, section divisions of the different ones. So you have law or Torah, historical books, um, you have poetry. See, they're blurry even for me up here. Um, you have major prophets and uh, minor prophets, gospels, church history, um, yeah, letters, letters. Letters, and then prophecy. Yep. So, yeah. Anybody else? Next slide. Okay, so 27 books all together. Hey, look, I already outlined it. Four Gospels about the life of Jesus, history of the Christian Messianic Assembly, Pauline Epistles, uh, Pauline Letters to Individuals, and uh, General Epistles, Prophetic, Apocalyptic Writing, which when you really read the book of Revelation, read it as an encouragement to believers that are being martyred, that are being just heavily persecuted. Um, it, it's, I mean, just coming from Israel, you know, I think about, I mean, there's not a family there that, hasn't, that hadn't been affected by the Holocaust. Well, go back to the first century, and any believer that you run into, they could probably tell you about someone in their close proximity and close relationship that has died or suffered for just claiming the name of Jesus. Any and every believer. I mean, it, it, and that it, that's just to really sit and think about that. I mean, provide some context for fellowship here, which a lot of times, you know, we're not heavily, we're not persecuted here. I know, I mean, whatever political spectrum, you know, whatever, you know, however you feel about what's going on in the United States today, we're not persecuted. And we should be very grateful for that, and we should take advantage of that and minister all the more freely in the name of Jesus Christ and support those of our brothers and sisters that are being persecuted. It's a shame that and once you you see this and you look at those trends that when persecution happens and it always happens as a surprise for some reason, and when it happens, then everybody gets like, Oh, we better do something about this and so then they start telling sharing people, sharing the gospel, um, we've got to do that now. We have to be motivated and be and be missional and be intentional. so go to the next slide. Uh, About fellowship, our love to God is measured by our everyday fellowship with others and the love it displays. Andrew Murray. So one of the main things that you're going to see in this, one of the main characteristics is love. Um, Because if we don't have that, then what are we sharing? And why are we sharing? What's our motivation? Uh, Fellowship means, among other things, that we are ready to receive of Christ from others. Other believers minister Christ to me, and I am ready to receive that mutual encouragement speaking truth into other people's lives anybody that's ever i mean got to have a battle buddy got to have somebody to encourage you to keep you on point to you know because there's always going to be a point I, I think a lot of times that's why god has marriage <laughs> it keeps us sharp it keeps us focused keeps us honest and so i say that with my wife in the room by the way love you dear <laughs> So, you know, this is where we get to see Christ firsthand and we get to show Christ firsthand. It's in the fellowship of believers and actually speaking about um, spouses. I think a lot of times. Our society has missed the first avenue of ministry, and that's our spouses. That's the first most immediate circle of fellowship is with our spouses and that's something that just as intentional as we are about coming here, just as intentional as we are of having our own daily quiet time, or for those of you that are teachers, teaching others, we have to do that with our own spouses, with our families. So just throwing that out there. Uh, fellowship is being together with other believers in the midst of ministry. So, go ahead. so characteristics of fellowship. I haven't even started my talk yet. So. <laughs> So, love, devotion to scripture and the apostles' teaching, regular meeting, dealing with sin, active ministry, and that goes for everyone. Don't be scared about number four. Going on. So, love. As I said before, love is the motivation for all that we do. Right? I mean, what are the two greatest commandments? I mean, what does Jesus, our Lord and Savior, respond to? And out of over 613 commandments, he narrows it down to two. And only one of them is in the top ten list, right? The other one's found in Leviticus, in the middle of Leviticus at that. And so, love the Lord your God. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And your neighbor, your neighbor. As yourself, on these two commands hangs all of the law and the prophets: the prophets read the prophets lately <laughs> it 's a downer <laughs> it 's not something you just read to start your day and just go through the day. yes, <laughs> ready to tackle life, but yet love is the motivation for everything that the prophets did. And actually, we'll talk about that for number four. Love has to be the motivating factor. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples by loving one another and how you dress and your political affiliation and your fill in the blank, right? No, that's not it. It's by loving one another. Love covers over a multitude of sins. This is the core message of Christ. This is what leads him to be a sacrifice for each and every one of us. This this is the gospel. I'm not trying to hide anything here. This is this is straight up the gospel. And this is why we do what we do. And this is why we live or are supposed to live our lives with joy. And not just being happy all day long, you know, no serious joy. That like hard things, bad things are going to happen. But deep down, that light is not extinguished. That we still have that joy. Next slide. Here we go. We know love by this that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Wow. Cool. What do you do with it? First century. You know, when people are dying, when they might arrest you and interrogate you and threaten your life, to know where the rest of the believers are. That's love. So, um, going to Romans 12. And would somebody like to uh, look up 1 Corinthians 13? That's right, the part that's always read at weddings. (laughs) You got it? Okay, let me read Romans 12 real quick, 9 through 21. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope. So Paul is just laying out to this Roman church, church that he's never visited yet at the top point, point. And he is just, he, he, he's doing everything he can, as much as you can in a letter to encourage them and to guide them. And so the first thing that he starts off with, just throwing it right out, let love be without hypocrisy. And really, so love as a motivation, what's your motivation to love? Really wrestle with this one in marriage. Do you love so that you can be loved or do you love? right and, and and so, when we have that relationship with Christ, you know we love because he first loved us, so Christ in God is the only motivation we will ever need to love without expecting anything in return, and so that's that's the living water that Jesus was talking about that's the You're never going to be thirsty. And so how many of us have really dredged those depths? It's endless. And so just an encouragement to to really meditate on that. Meditate on love. Because uh, anything else I have to say today is going to be completely lost or perverted if it's not seen in the context of love. And really... All that we do is going to be in that same regard. It'll just be a, a form of manipulation. That's when you try to make a quick sell for a convert or whatever else. Love has to be the mode of, Love is going to be communicated it, before you rattle off five different scriptures that you memorized. And, you know, I love the scriptures, so I'm definitely not down on that. But love has got to be that that part to it. I mean, the, the core part to it. So, um, you want to describe love for me? <laughs> Corinthians 13. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to remember offhand. Yes. Everybody hear him okay? Nope it does not dishonor other, others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. Thank So, Paul, and think of this as a letter to a fellowship, much like ours, and he's like, okay, there's some people having, having some trouble, loving one another. Let me just spell this out for you, right? And he does a beautiful job. Patient, kind, not jealous, doesn't brag, it's not arrogant, doesn't act unbecoming. I mean, think about these for guidelines in our relationships and how we are together. becomes very practical. If that if this guided all of our relationships. If we asked our, you know, went through this checklist, right? Before we said or did anything. Man, everything would be great. <laughs> so, how are we reflecting the father's love towards other believers? So, go ahead Okay, now devotion to the apostles, uh, to Scripture and the apostles' teaching. Um, Really, apostles' teaching just a cool way of referring to the New Testament. Um, It's Scripture. Don't get me wrong. But uh, just to take off 2 Timothy. So Acts 2.42, we see very early they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Um, So this is a church right to uh, uh, Pentecost. And uh, look at these things. This is what made up their day. Second Timothy 3, 14, 17, Paul is writing a letter to Timothy, a, kind of an apostle delegate uh, to Ephesus, and very much encouraging. Him. Those letters are very, um, very personal, but yet very blunt. Paul Paul does not beat around the bush. He is right there, just telling Timothy where he's falling short and where he needs to pick it up. So, second Timothy 3:14 through 17, you however continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scriptures inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate Adequate, equipped for every good work. So this is the thing, that these go together, right? That you can love, but really, God defines love. And God, through his word, anchors that love because there's a lot of things where we can get skewed that, has anybody ever just fooled themselves into believing something that really wasn't it? Many times, right. Thank you for being honest. That's, I'm right there with you. And, and it's one of those things that we just do that. And we, we don't, I mean, come on. We're all human. We're all out for us. It's self-preservation at its most basic level. And so that when we are loving, we, yeah, I love you. And what we're saying is I love me. And I love the fact that you love me too. <laughs> and a lot of times, you know, that's that's how we go through our lives. And so that how much more so when we do this in a religious context? And so that's that's what I'm talking about, is being careful of and that we love in accordance with the way that God, God Himself, the one the creator of love, defines it and how we do this. And so that's why and, and I know this is a very I don't know, it's just not a rationale that's usually taken for justifying and being anchored in Scripture. But I'm using it because I think that's that's why we have the Word of God, is because He loves us and He provides direction for us to live these lives that He has given us. Why? Because it's for His glory. And this is where love, this is where the Word of God, this is where everything comes together and this is why that we glorify God in how we live our lives. In everything that we say and everything that we do, it's all done in a religious context. Because these are the lives that God has given us to live for him. It's not just on a Sunday morning, it's not just on a Wednesday or Thursday night. It's just it's not just at a small group. It's every moment of every day is worship to the Lord God. As long as we're breathing, This is what we're doing. And so then the question is, is who are we worshiping? Because if we're not worshiping him with what we're doing. Then what's left? So the encouragement, stay rooted in scripture, meditate on these things, meditate on the word of God, stay grounded. Despite what culture says, despite what period you're in, what country you're in, anything like that, that. This is it. Regular meeting. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Look at that intent. Right? So regular meeting is a hallmark of fellowship. So, so far, love, the word of God, and regular meeting. Doing this regularly. I enjoy people's company. And there's some people that I enjoy much more so. <laughs> and guess what? I make and I am intentional about getting with them, getting lunch with them, about seeing them and just saying, hey, how you doing? And I ask that because I care. Right. And, and that's one of those things that among the believers that there's supposed to be this love where we actually care, where it's how are you doing? No, really. I'm setting aside the next 10 minutes and possibly the next couple hours to find out how you're doing. Because I'm preparing for anything right now. Instead of, hey, what's up? You know, I mean, how, how are you doing became a saying in passing. This is something where we as believers are saying, you know, basically I'm asking how are you doing, but how can I share in the struggle of what you're going through in life right now? How can I help carry your burden? Why? Because I love you because God first loved me. And so let me reflect this on the rest of the fellowship. I mean, imagine. And you can feel it. You can, uh, Quinn and I were talking about it just this morning. It was just everybody just kind of experiencing that joy. Everybody was real just happy. It was really cool to come into this. Um, I just came from another church. And so I'm coming into this, and this, this small fellowship is just alive and vibrant. That's awesome. That's great to see. It's great to feel. And you can feel it too, right? I mean, you can walk into people's houses and be like, whoop, cold chill. But then you walk into some houses and you're just like, I'm home. Not my home, but I'm home. This is great. So, but all that to say, regular meeting, We have to be intentional. This is something that it's not a drudgery. This is like, oh. Sunday morning, I wish I could sleep in. This is, I can't wait to go. And it's not that I can't wait to go to sing songs. It's not, I can't wait to go to hear somebody talk for 20, 30, or 40 minutes. This is, I can't wait to go to be with others. So, love and good deeds, that's why we're here. This is me encouraging you and encouraging myself, telling myself adamantly to love one another and do some good stuff do good deeds the rest of the day tomorrow the next day until i preach this to myself again do some good do, do some good deeds luke do you know love one another and be intentional about that so not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some so that was already a problem but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near so he's speaking about the day of the Lord and the day of the Lord's return. Excellent. Dealing with sin, 1 John 3.10, by this the children of God. So remember, the motivation of everything is love. And so I discipline my kids because I love them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Are you serious? No, I'm just so this is a part of it, though, and this is a lot of times people who totally get, get wrong. They, they just straight up get it wrong because there's no love. Love is not the motivating factor, right? Or they just love themselves more, and they're putting themselves up, right? Let me beat you down because that props myself up. But really, in, and let's just think about this outside of that religious context of what we know today, And think of it in in a family. Think of it in the context of love. You're hurting yourself. I don't want to see you do that. And I'm calling you on it. You are destroying yourself. You are destroying your family. I'm calling you out on it. So let's just replace hurting yourself and replace that with sin. Because that's what sin is. Sin is death. Sometimes it happens fast. Sometimes it happens really, really, really slow. Point is, it's death. And that is not love when you see someone else in, a just in sin, which is always destructive, and you let them go with it. That is not love. That's actually the opposite of it. And that's it's just sick. We should love one another, and we should already have that relationship with them Right. And so there's that's the core of it. Love. Right. You already have that relationship where you can come alongside them and just say, what are you doing? You don't have to start off with a Bible verse. That one alone, (laughs) you should get points for. Don't start with a Bible verse. Just come to them. Speak out of the relationship that you already have with them and call them out in love. Any questions to that? (laughs) So by this, children of God and children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. James 5.16, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. So look at this in, in, in this context, that there's so much love that you're willing to share your dirt. With somebody else. There's trust in that. There's trust in that relationship. There's love there. That you're not just beating someone down. But you're sharing. saying, Asking for that help. This is asking for help. Confessing your sins one to another. You're asking for help. And a lot of times that's what we need to do. Almost every time I'd say. Uh, Matthew 18, that's what churches love to model for um, church discipline. A lot of times they do that without love, though. They would love to parade somebody out front and rebuke them and say, get out. Which, ironically enough, we actually don't see that very much anymore, but it does happen. But it's not done in the context of love. It's not done with a relationship. That person was pushed out a long time before. Instead of people staying away from them, they should move in and they should embrace them. They should just smother them with love. And then you actually have a platform to speak truth into their lives. Yeah. Sorry. I'll finish up here in just one minute. Um, so, Galatians 6 1, brethren, if anyone is caught in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such one in a spirit of gentleness. Don't be a punk. Be nice. Be loving, right? Uh, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Next slide. Uh, Act of ministry, great commission. We've heard this a thousand times, but it's always a good reminder. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is our responsibility. I think that there's such a problem today. And I think there's such an apathy in the church. The assembly of of Jesus' followers Is because love has been left out. That in the discipleship process, we were appealing to the head and not the heart. It's a pendulum swing. In one side, we have this intellectual ascent, memorize scripture, know the scriptures. And then we have on the other side where it's just heart. I love you and you can just stay in your sin, which like what we talked about, it's really not love. This is what we've been saved from. And there's this Beautiful, happy medium here where we understand the word of God. We understand love, but we also know where we came from. And that's the power of the gospel is that we remember. We always remember. And we and if you don't, you should really think about this. Every time you minister to someone else who is not a believer, know and remember where you came from, what you've been saved from. And that's what you're sharing with others. That's what you're sharing with an unbeliever. And if there's no motivation in that, then you really need to check yourself. You really need to evaluate that relationship with God. Because, man, I, I don't know. I, if we just took five minutes for everybody to just meditate on what you've been saved from and the love of God and the effort that God made in your redemption. Uh, I mean, would we all just start busting out singing, crying, rejoicing, remembering The depths from what we've been pulled out of. This is all the motivation we need to go out and to share that with others. Because we should realize and we should always remember that there's others out there hurting. But a lot of times we just get so inward focused, knowing that we're saved. And we keep reminding ourselves of that. But yet, entertaining sin. And it just completely neutralizes us. We have to be intentional. And that's where it takes others to come alongside and to encourage us to get out there and do it. To get out there and minister. Because we love each other and we love others. uh, The one and others of scripture, I was going to read that. I'm way over time. Next slide. Okay, that's it. So, yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, and those are good conversations to have because that's what keeps you grounded, but also missional. And, and I think the idea is once you're staying grounded in scripture, you can't help. I mean, you're not going to be missional long without love. Right. But then there's this point where you understand the scriptures and what are people being saved from? And I think the scripture is really that difference. But what kind of emphasis do we make in them? And what kind of disciples are we making? That's really what I'm asking. What kind of disciples are we making when they go back out? So, Anybody else? Yeah. (laughs) Go to your brother and then... Right. Right. That's exactly right. And I mean, it's not one of those things where, you know, you're you're just like any unbeliever. You've got to minister to them. You've got to love them. You've got to witness to them, share the gospel with them. And, you know, and even when they're just like, oh, yeah, you already know all this. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. No, no, no. I don't think you do. <laughs> yeah. No, that's exactly right. And I think that's a much better interpretation of that, especially in the context of the surrounding passages. Mm-hmm. Hmm, right. Turned him over. Right. hmm Right. Right. And, and I mean, and I, I think that even goes to what kind of environment are we fostering here? That is that it people feel safe to confess their sins. They feel safe to, you know, really encourage one another. And I don't know if you've ever tr- had to correct somebody in their sin. That's a hard thing to do, especially if you love them. You've got to love them a lot to actually be able to confront somebody. So. And it doesn't always work. That's right. It doesn't always end in roses. So, yeah. I apologize for taking up so much of your Sunday. So, yeah. (laughs) Um, Do you want to end with prayer? There you go. Well, let's go ahead and pray. Because I definitely want to pray for each and every one of you here in this whole fellowship. So, Lord God, I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for um, just the love that you have for us And the love that we can show to each other. Um, Just how awesome you are in facilitating this and leading so many different people, so many different lives um, into just one place. To be together, to love one another, to be an example to an unbelieving world that doesn't get it. Father, I pray that you just put a spirit in each and every person here of, of love and of love for those that are hurting Father, I pray if anyone here is hurting, that they have the relationship already with someone here to share and to to express that burden and for the person to be receptive and to share and to carry that burden. Father, I pray for your spirit of truth that it it would find a foundation in this fellowship. Lord, that we wouldn't be caught up with culture, that we wouldn't be just swayed by, you know, recent teaching or whatever else, that we would be firmly grounded in the word of God and in your love. And in and through your love that we would bear fruit for your kingdom. That we would live just radical lives of obedience and faithfulness to you and faithfulness to each other. Love you, Father, and pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.